So I think you guys know this already that your your pastor uh, he did not he does not always tell the truth. Uh, <laughs> so just just so you you can sit comfortably, he did not approach me today this morning and ask me, guess what? Your turn to preach. <laughs> he did give me a couple of weeks' notice, <laughs> so which I'm thankful for. So um, we'll uh, figure out how to get these slides up on the iPad, but I'm going to get us going uh, while we're doing that. Okay. Um, okay, perfect, perfect. So uh, if, if, you, if you have a Bible, you can open to uh, Mark 4, 35 to 41. This, the scripture will be up on the screen. Uh, but as Pastor Duran said, I'm planting a church in Grand Rapids. Uh, we're going to be uh, in the urban core of the city. We're planting a multi-ethnic church. We have a multi-ethnic leadership team. And uh, we're planting with the Evangelical Covenant. So we are sister churches. And I am just really excited to get to know you as a church family. And as our church family grows... Uh, for you to get to know our church family and just looking forward to what God has uh, for for us uh, in Grand Rapids and in Muskegon with two churches that have similar visions for for bringing God's kingdom here uh, to this place, the way things are done in heaven, that they would happen that way here. So I want to begin with a uh, just a little story about my my kids. Uh, There we go. All right. Thanks, Angelo. Um, so this is a picture of me and my kids. Uh, I'm a Cincinnati Reds fan. And if you like sports or baseball, uh, they're bad. They're always bad. And so my poor kids, uh, my, my poor kids have, have picked this up from me. Uh, I've, I'm trying to brainwash them early the best that I can, but this is a nice picture of us from last year. And my kids are nine, eight, and four. And uh, if you have children that age, or you can remember back to that age when you've had your kids that age, or you were that young, uh, I call it the age of fears. Uh, my kids are afraid of everything. Uh, they're afraid of the dark. They're afraid of the monsters under the bed. They come into my room and they wake me up. They wake my wife up. She's much nicer than I am. And uh, we, we, we are dealing with uh, the age of fears. Now, I know uh, Halloween is coming next month, and everyone has different opinions about that, but let's be honest, uh, it's a time of year where people like to be scared, right? There's people in this room, I know who you are, and you like to be scared. There's people in this room that like going to haunted houses and having somebody creepy costume, fake blood all over them, jump out at you and scream, and you enjoy that. There's people in this room that like going to scary movies. They like paying $13 to be scared. Now, me personally, I have enough negative, sad, uh, scary things in my real life that I don't need those things in my imaginary life, right, right? <laughs> now, now, I say that fully as a joke uh, for those of you that go do those things. I'm just a scaredy cat. I can't, I can't handle it, okay? I, uh, I can't handle it, and, and some of you are with me on that. Uh, I just literally get too scared. I don't want to pay money to be scared, okay? But, but I know those of you that like those things, that enjoy those things, you know those things aren't real, 
you, you're, you're, your brain is able to connect, that isn't a real scary thing. Like the person with the fake chainsaw, they're not really going to harm me. So it's like a, you, you create sort of a fun, artificial fear, but you can tell the difference. When you go to a scary movie, you know that that isn't really happening. You know those are actors, actresses, those are... Sp- you can separate the two things. Uh, with my kids and their fears, when they come into my room and they're scared of the monster under their bed, is there a monster under their bed? No, there's no monster under their bed. So as a parent, I parent them in such a way. I know that there's actually nothing to be scared of. In their brain, they're scared, but there's actually no monster under the bed. Now, if we decided to go camping up in the Upper Peninsula and we were in the middle of the woods and we heard wolves howling all around us, we have a reason to be scared, right? <laughs> I'm going to parent differently in that moment, right? I'm going to find some weapon and, you know, I'm going to act like I'm tough and I'm not going to tell my kids, go back to bed, leave me alone, right? And, 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 and with, with our lives and our fears... They can be the same way with us and God because God has a perspective of a wise parent. And and let's be honest, we have a perspective of a child or the Bible calls us sheep sometimes. We can only see what's right in front of us and we forget all that Jesus has already done and that he's going to do. And so in this passage in Mark 4, we're going to look at a real fear, something that's really actually scary. And then we're going to look at one that just can't happen, but we get scared about it anyway. And a great comfort that we have uh, from God. So read along. I have it up on the screen, Mark 4, uh, 35 to 41. Follow along. Uh, It says, on that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, let's go across to the other side and leaving the crowd. They took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. That's Jesus, sleeping. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea Obey him. Amen. Now, for some of you, this is a familiar passage. And and, and as we read the passage, I want to say to us as we dive into it, what seems to be the message isn't the message. Okay, so what seems to be the message here isn't the message. What I mean is we can preach this passage and read it and go, oh, that means any time in my life there's a storm, any time in my life something bad is happening, if I ask Jesus to fix it in a snap, he will do it. And if he doesn't, 
then what? Did he lie to you? You know, right? We have problems, right? It's like we, we, sometimes we can read a passage like this and go, that means that anytime something is going wrong, Jesus will fix the problem. Well, I have a couple of reasons why that's not true. One of them is our lives, our very lives. Uh, if you were to go around this room and we shared all of the problems that we've had in our lives that didn't get fixed, we would be weeping within seconds. We'd be weeping within minutes. People that have passed away, loved ones that we prayed for, some were healed, but some weren't, right? And there's mystery to this. And we, we live in this, in this fallen, broken world. And, 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 and you might be unemployed and you might be saying, come on, God, where is that job? And there's a sickness in the family or a sickness in your own life. And you're saying, God, where is that healing? We serve a healer. And yet where is the healing? And as, as followers of him, it can be confusing at times. And so I know from our very lives that this passage doesn't mean every single time that there's a a storm that it's going to get calmed right away. But the second reason is is a biblical reason. It's if we study the Bible, this book, Mark, it was written in the first century. This is a biography of Jesus. And this isn't. This makes me sound smart. Literally, I just use Google and Wikipedia. So, if you most stuff pastors get is from Wikipedia and Google. Just don't let Pastor Duran know that that we know that. Uh, it makes us sound really smart. Uh, but let, let's do a little trivia without looking it up. A little trivia. What do you think was the average lifespan? of somebody in the first century. So first century, we're talking, like, this is 2021. We're talking the year 30, the year 30 AD. Guess, what do you think was a lifespan of an individual in the Roman Empire in the year 30 AD? Any guesses? 30, 40, 45, 60, hundreds, okay? Good guesses, some. 25 years old. 25 years old. Did we get a winner? Yes. You get a cup of coffee and a Pop-Tart out there. That's what you win. Um, So, uh, 25 years old. 25 years old. Uh, The average lifespan in the first century was 25 years old. Now, that includes uh, uh, infant mortality rates. So, most kids didn't live past age 10. So if you made it past age 10, you had a shot of making it to 50, 60. So that's why you see people in the Bible in the first century uh, that, that were older. But if you, many didn't make it past age 10. My point is death would have been an ever-present reality. When this miracle happened... And then when Mark wrote it down, the book of Mark is like a sermon. He was giving a sermon to uh, people that were suffering. They were being persecuted by an emperor named Nero. So you all have hobbies. Some of you like fishing. Some of you like sports. Some of you like music. Nero's hobby was killing Christians. That was his hobby. Uh, You know, the Roman Colosseum, they would feed Christians to the lions. This is all historical. You can look him up. Nero was the emperor when the book of Mark was written. You died on average at the age of 25, and you have Nero hunting down Christians. That's who Mark is writing this book to. And also, you have the Sea of Galilee. You have the Sea of Galilee where this miracle happened. People's ships still sunk on the Sea of Galilee. Check this ship out. This is in a museum in Israel right now. It is a boat that they found at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee that 
washed up upon shore. It would be very similar in size to the boat that Jesus and his disciples would have been in. When I read this uh, this miracle, you know, in Sunday school, I picture Jesus on a, on a luxury yacht. I picture Jesus on a carnival cruise line and there's a storm. You're like, oh, that's no big deal. It's just a, it's a storm. We're on a gigantic boat. This boat that's in the museum, it's 27 feet across. That's about the size of this end of the stage over to those microphones over there. 13 people packed from here to here during the most ferocious hurricane-like storm you can imagine. And Jesus is saying to them, why are you scared? Duh, Jesus, because <laughs> we all going to die. <laughs> right? Like There was legitimate reason here to be afraid. This was not an artificial fear. This was not the monster under the bed. This was, we're going to die. Jesus, help us, save us. And again, you have to wonder, why did Mark include this miracle the way he did to the audience that was being persecuted by Nero. So imagine, so in our culture today, there is a little bit of persecution for Christians. Sometimes you might get teased for your faith. You might get mocked for your faith. The media might portray your faith in a certain way. We know there's countries around the world where Christians are literally killed for their faith, still to this day, where it is illegal to be a Christian. I want you to try to picture being a Christian in the first century. You're the first or second generation of Christian, of following this person named Jesus. And Nero is killing your friends and your family. And you're coming to church wondering if Nero is going to bust in today and have a raid. And this is the sermon given to you from the book of Mark. There's a lot more going on here than just a storm and just a sea and just this one miracle. There is a greater miracle taking place in this text. The the sea, it was known as a place of chaos in the ancient world. It was known as a place of evil in the ancient world. Because imagine today we have scuba diving, we have cameras, we have submarines. They didn't have any of that stuff in the ancient world. They had the surface of the sea, and they knew all the monsters lived under the sea, right? I mean, they you knew, and, and you knew about these storms. You knew the sea could kill you. And so it was no coincidence that we have the Sea of Galilee. I have the dimensions up on the, up on the screen. It was a large body of water. The Sea of Galilee was 13 mi- is, to this day, you can go visit there, 13 miles by 8 miles. It's 141 feet deep. It's 104 square miles. It's about three Grand Rapidses. If you took Grand Rapids three times over, that's this body of water that the disciples are crossing with Jesus. And Some of you like the water. Some of you are afraid of the water. Uh, This is a picture uh, I found uh, because I... You know those YouTube videos that circle around? I saw, I saw this YouTube video of a, a Goliath grouper. This fish is called a Goliath grouper. It lives in the ocean. It, and uh, some guys were fishing for sharks. They were on their boat. They were fishing for sharks, and they caught uh, a shark. They caught a hammerhead shark. They were really excited. So that's their hobby catching sharks. They're reeling in the hammerhead shark. They're getting excited. You can see the shark coming up out of the dark abyss. And next, in a snap, a Goliath grouper comes out of the ocean, eats the shark, 
off of the fishing hook and swims away. And the guys all lose their minds, right? Because you think, what's the scariest thing in the ocean? A shark. And then this fish I've never even heard of comes and eats the shark. So this fish can be eight feet long and 800 pounds. My, my point is, there's some scary stuff in the sea, right? There's some scary stuff below the surface of the sea. There's a reason in the ancient mind the sea was associated with evil. It was associated with Satan. I mean, this was associated with evil. So when, when Jesus in this miracle comes and he says in our text, you remember when he says, be still, to the sea. He says, be still. It's the same Greek word. Mark does these little tricks with the Greek. He uses the same word here and the same word here. If you turn a couple pages back to Mark 125, Jesus casts out a demon. And in Mark 125, he tells the demon, shut up. He says, shut up to the demon. Jesus is allowed to say, shut up to demons. And, and your, t- your translation may say something else. But it's the same Greek word as when Jesus says to the sea, be still. He says, demon, shut up. Sea, shut up. I have power over the demons. I have power over the sea. I have power over Satan. Of all the real fears that exist, what is the most scary? Satan. Jesus says, I have power over Satan. I have power over the most scary thing that you could possibly be afraid of. That is what Mark is trying to bring out, not only in Mark 4, but in Mark 1. He's telling one big story of this superhero named Jesus that came to save us. Now, if you look at this text, there's this word I put in yellow, the word great. I put the ESV up only because they they use the same English word each time, great. And in the Greek, the word used is a word we actually use in our culture. So I grew up playing Nintendo, playing Mario Brothers. Anyone else? Mario Brothers was part of your childhood. Okay, so you might recognize this little guy on the screen. His name is Mega Man. Mega Man. So I put him up there as a hint. Can you guess what the Greek word for great is? What do you think? Mega. The Greek word for great is is mega. So whenever you hear Art Van with their latest mega sale from Art Van, and you notice every time there's a holiday, Art Van has a mega sale. It's a Halloween mega sale. Everything's half off. It's like, wait, you just did a Labor Day sale. Everything was already half off. Thanksgiving mega sale, right? It's like mega is supposed to mean the best of the best. We don't give out millions in the lottery. We give out mega millions. Right? It's like, whoa, I don't want just a million. I want a mega million. That's what I'm talking about, right? Like the word mega, it means the greatest of the great. That's what the word is supposed to mean. So when Mark is writing, Mark chapter 4, to these Christians that are scared, real scared, they're not, these, the ones reading Mark aren't the ones on the Sea of Galilee. That miracle already happened. They need another miracle. They need to be saved from Rome. They are scared because Nero is 
coming. But more than being saved from Rome, they need to be saved from what Satan is trying to do to the church. And that is the greatest battle. The Rome battle was a real battle, but the battle between Satan and the church is the greatest battle. And here in Mark we read, and as we read the story, we read, just as he was and other boats were with him, and a mega windstorm arose. See, when they would have read this, they would have, no, this wasn't just a windstorm. This wasn't a rainy day or a day you could go fly a kite. This was a windstorm that would beat all windstorms. As you keep going through the text, it says the wind ceased and there was a mega calm. Jesus responded to the mega windstorm, not just with any calm, a mega calm. Don't you want a mega calm in your life? Amen. Like Jesus, bring me that mega calm, the mega calm. And the response from the disciples as they were filled with a mega fear, they said, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And the original audience would have said, who then is this that even the demons obey him, that even Satan has to obey Jesus? Who then is this? That is the question. And as Mark, let me say one thing, read your Bible. It is an amazing book. And teenagers, if you're in here, I see a couple kids and youth and teens. Read your Bible. It is an amazing book. Read the book of Mark. It is the story of our superhero, Jesus. And here's what Mark does. In Mark 4, what we just read is he conquers the sea. The sea is what was a symbol of evil. Jesus conquers it. The next chapter in Mark 5, he casts out a legion of demons. 2,000 demons from one man. Throws them into some pigs, and those pigs go into where? The sea. Back into the evil. And then in the next chapter, you know what happens? Jesus goes back to the sea, and he walks on the water. He's like, yeah, remember this, oh, this sea that's evil? I am walking on it right now. And it was Jesus conquers evil, the sea the chaos. Jesus casts out the demons, conquers evil. And Mark 6, Jesus conquers evil again. But you get this feeling as you go, it's kind of like watching a Batman movie or reading a comic strip where you go, how many times can Batman beat Joker? But Joker's always back. Like there's always a next episode. There's always a next comic. Joker got put in jail, but how did he get out? Right? And every, every chapter seems to end that way where you go, Jesus beat Satan. But he's back. Jesus beat Satan, but he's back. And Nero is back. And, 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 and is this Jesus the mega? Or is there another mega out there that we should be serving, worshiping, and following? There's an ultimate battle looming. Mark, as well as the other gospel writers, they're writing you the true story of Jesus, but they are masterful writers and they're saying these are the battles of the day, but there is an ultimate battle looming. Jesus versus Satan, and it's a showdown and it's going to go down. Now, back to my daughters in the age of fears. The age of fears. I read to my daughters every night 
and we read different books. My daughter, Lexi, who's, who's nine, we've been reading through the Lord of the Rings trilogy for the last, I mean, those are long books. We read a couple pages a night, probably for the last four years. <laughs> I've, been, I've been, again, I like to brainwash my children young. These are my favorite stories, my favorite books. And so we, I make them watch the Cincinnati Reds, and I read Lord of the Rings to them at night. My eight-year-old, my middle daughter was five at the time. She was too scared, so she dipped out from Lord of the Rings. But Lexi and I, we've, we've made it. We've made it. And, 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 and uh, I, I want to give you a spoiler of Lord of the Rings, okay? So, so the, the books came out in 1948. The, the last movie came out in 2003. So you've had plenty of time to figure out how these stories end. So don't blame me that I'm giving you a spoiler. It's a big spoiler. And the spoiler is the good guys win, okay? The good guys win. In Lord of the Rings, the good guys win. This is a scene at the end of the movie, the end of the final uh, movie, where the good guys are all sort of celebrating uh, the victory that, they, that they've had over the bad guy in the story, who's Sauron, written by a Christian, by the way. So, I mean, this is, there's, there's symbols throughout the book of Jesus' victory uh, over Satan. But my point to this is, I've read Lord of the Rings many times. I've watched the movies many times. But my daughter, Lexi, first time. First time. So her perspective on the story is very different than mine. So there's, there's a character that, that, that seems to die early in the books. And I know that this character comes back. It's, it, it, and she doesn't. She is sad. He was her favorite character. She is very sad that he died. She's like, Dad, but how could he die? He's the leader. I'm like, yeah, but you don't know. He's coming back, baby. Like, but I'm not going to tell you because I want you to be excited. When it, but I know the whole time. I know. He doesn't really die. Right? I know there's nothing to be scared of. Like, you're scared, but I know the story. I know how it ends. I know the good guys win, and I know that that character comes back. I know because I've read the story. I know the story, right? And God, brothers and sisters, God, our Father, he knows the story. He wrote the story. He wrote it. And, and check this out. He is the hero of the story. And he says, my child, I love you. And, and I win. We win. Jesus wins. Jesus is the mega of the megas. And, and, and look, transparently, I, I am afraid of things. I have insecurities. And that's a part of following Jesus in this world. The disciples walked with Jesus for three years. And they were saying, oh, we're scared. <laughs> right? There's grace for us. There's grace for our fears. And I want to leave you with this challenge. When you're scared, when, when a real fear is happening, let's cry out to Jesus. Let's run to Jesus. And when those fears, those insecurities come, they can be big things, they can be small things. They can be feelings of, I want to be accepted. I want that person to like me, and they don't, and I feel broken inside because of it. I feel like there's something missing. I feel like there's all, those feelings, let those feelings draw you back to Jesus. You know why we congregate for worship on Sundays? One of the reasons we congregate for worship on Sundays is to be reminded that Jesus wins. It's to be reminded that Jesus is the victor over Satan. 
The, the reason some people will, will literally tattoo verses on their hands and arms to remind themselves, I have a ring that I had made. It has a Bible verse inside of it that Jesus is the true vine. And I wear it to remind myself that Jesus is the mega. He is the victor. We have Christian friends, brothers and sisters that we need in our life. You go to men's ministry or, or to the women's ministry or to the Wednesday night Bible study because you need people reminding you that yes, it looks like we're losing. Nero is coming and he's feeding us to the lions, but we win. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. And so at church, we worship and we sing songs of praise and we do our daily Bible reading because when the storm comes, when the storm comes, we need to be reminded that Jesus is the mega. He is the victor and he is your friend that we sang about, that he calls you friend. He brings you into his family and God is our friend father and you are his child. So could we close in prayer as his children? And if you could just take on the disposition of a child, I want you to picture being a child. Maybe you're a four-year-old child, a three-year-old child. And, and, and here is God, your father, your heavenly father. And, and because of Jesus, because Jesus is the mega and Jesus won the victory over Satan, your father opens up his arms And God the Father just embraces you like he embraced the prodigal son in Luke 15. And he holds you and he says, daughter, son, I love you. and, And I win, we win. I know it's hard right now and there are storms, but know that I am the most powerful, that, that, that the scariest thing on the, on the universe is Satan. And I conquered Satan on the cross and in the empty tomb. And that is what you get to live into with your salvation. And just let him hold you in that truth. Let him hold you in that love and experience his grace. And say, but, but, but Father, I forget. And he says, but I forgive. And you have my grace. And just let him hold you. Be reminded that whatever you're facing today, Jesus is more powerful. And Jesus is with you. And, and, and friends, we know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. And we know the one who wrote it. And he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Jesus, thank you for loving us. We love you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thank you, brothers and sisters. At this time, uh, I would like to remind you of, of offering. We have an opportunity as, as followers of God to give of our material possessions back to God. Um, There's online ways of giving up on the screen and there is a box in the back uh, for you to give to. And and this is another part of our worship, is it not? That, that, that we get to say, yes, we, and, and this is going to the ministry 
of Jesus' kingdom here on this earth. To say, Jesus, use this to bring more people into your kingdom. Use this to bring freedom to the oppressed. Use this for your will, God. And, and what a beautiful way that we can sacrifice and surrender to him. So, so if, you, if you would allow me one more time to pray with you, let me pray over this offering, and I will pray a dismissal for us as well. Uh, Lord, we are so thankful for you. We're thankful for your presence. I'm so thankful for for Kingdom Embassy Covenant Church. God, I'm so thankful for this body of believers, your children, the shining light in Muskegon of saying to the dark world, Jesus loves you, (laughs) saying to the darkness, Jesus wins. And, and, And God, I pray that we can each go out tomorrow into our families, our households, our workplaces, our schools, and say, Jesus wins, and he loves you, and he, he longs for you. He wants you to love him. And, and God, I thank you for the, 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 the sister church relationship between Mosaic Church in Grand Rapids, my church, and Kingdom Embassy Church here in Muskegon. I pray you would bless it. And God, Satan, he's scared. <laughs> he's scared, God, because of the power of Jesus in this place and the power of Jesus among the movement of what you're doing in West Michigan, God. So, so we go from this place. I pray for this offering. I pray you would bless it. Take our loaves and fish and multiply them. Be with Pastor Duran and all of the leaders here at, at the church, at Kingdom Embassy, that you would give them wisdom and how to lead this church. God, that you would be the leader and we would be your servants. We love you, Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Noah. Great job. Give the Lord a hand clap. I want to give you a scripture to read for the week. Uh, So uh, write it down. It's Psalms 27. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war shall rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I desire of the Lord that I will seek after him, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire into his temple. That's our scripture for the week. It goes so much in line, but he lets you know, do not have any fear, man. You know the end of the story. Jesus got you, man. God got you. Put your faith in him, have your confidence in him, and know that no weapon formed against you, shall prosper. Amen. Everybody stand. Sister Tiffany, go ahead. I love you. Man, Brother Derek Lane is here today. I thought he was an FBI agent back there with that gray beard and stuff. I didn't know what was going on. I thought I was undercover or something. I didn't know what was going on. Nice to see you, Brother Daryl. This is my classmate, my friend for life. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for such a powerful message. Thank you for Pastor Noah and his family for coming and sharing with us today. We ask that your grace and your mercy be upon them uh, as they travel back to Grand Rapids. Uh, Lord, we ask you to bless their ministry as they get ready for their second launch. Um, And Lord, we pray that souls be transformed in Grand Rapids like never before. Let those people who are lost find their way to the house. Lord, let every person that's on his lead team and on his launch team reach out to someone that's lost 
and give them the love of God so they have a place and desire to be closer to you. We pray for Kingdom Embassy and all that you're doing for us. And you've been such an amazing, amazing God. You've been so good to us. We can't thank you enough. Thank you for all the resources you make available for us. Thank you for your healing power in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for delivering so many of us from things that we thought we'd never be delivered from. And you did it, whether it's relationships, whether it's drugs, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol, whether it's whatever it is, you've done it. And we want to thank you for that in the name of Jesus. So as we leave this place, never ever your presence, keep your arms of protection around us and bless us. If someone wants prayer, you can come to the altar and we'll do a prayer for you uh, before we leave. God bless you all. You may leave and you dismiss in the name of Jesus. God bless you.